following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Kind of faith, and, and I'm titling this message this morning to um, Abraham. He was the prototype of faith. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, if you'd open up to the book of uh, Hebrews, chapter 11, um, the verses we'll be reading 8 through 10, and they should be up on the screen as we start here. Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. All right, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living by in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, Lord, as we come to hear your word, Lord, let me uh, be your instrument of your, of your will. Lord, let me be concise and May the words resonate within each and every one of us, and may the Holy Spirit come into this place and just take away the crud that we have on our mind right now. Um, Lord, just let us be attuned to your word. And we pray this in your Son, Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So I'm going to start with a question this morning. Apart from God, apart from Christ, uh, which person do you think in the Bible has exhibited the most faith in God's promises? Just yell them out. Hint, we're studying Abraham. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so we all have that down, right? Abraham. That's, that's the important question. Uh, Abraham occupies uh, a unique and important place in the world's history today. For the Jews, he is the father of the nation of Israel. For the Islamic world, he's regarded as a prophet, second alone to, uh, in importance to Muhammad himself. And in the Christian world, Abraham is recognized as one of the greatest men of faith. Doing some research, Abraham is mentioned in the Bible over 300 times. And in the New Testament, mentions Abraham more often than any other Old Testament person. And it usually is to emphasize his faith in God. In James 2.23, He's known as the father of Abraham. And it says this, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Who would not want to have that title? To be called God's friend. You know, David, when you look at David, he was, he was a man after God's heart. But only Abraham was called God's friend. That's a huge, huge statement. Obviously, I would submit that Abraham is a person worthy of patterning our life after. So I quickly this morning go have three principles. The first principle is this. Abraham had listening ears and an obedient feet. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed 
and went even though he did not know where he was going. That's phenomenal, isn't it? Going, we, you know, just, just God, I'm going. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord told him. A little history about Abram, Abraham. We don't know a whole lot about him until he hits about age 75. We knew he was living in Ur, which was a, a city of the Chaldeans. And actually, where that is today, if you go to the map, it's a, where the city of Baghdad, Baghdad, Iraq is, in the Fertile Crescent. And he was, at that point, when he was in Ur, he was an idol worshiper. And it was amazing that he recognized as soon as God spoke that the only living and true God, the creator of heaven and earth, appeared to him and told him to leave his country and his people and go to a land which God would show him. Wow. So God speaks to Fred and he says, Fred, you're going to move to Winnipeg, Canada. Matt, is it cold in Winnipeg? Is it white stuff still fall from the sky in the wintertime? I ain't going. (laughs) I love the Lord, but I'm not going. No, seriously. What would Abraham have to give up in order to obey the only living and true God's call? Well, I think the first thing he would have to do is he would have to leave this modern, thriving city of Ur, which was the center of his uh, civilization at that time. Today's archaeology has shown that the city of Ur had a population of approximately 250,000 people and was wealthy. Many of the homes that they've uncovered were split level, and they had a rudimentary form of uh, air conditioning. Now, I've been there in the summertime. It's hot in Iraq. You wake up in the morning, it's already 105 degrees. So they had figured out this rudimentary air conditioning. For the school teachers in us, with us this morning, had the finest school of their times. Buck, you'll appreciate this. They taught uh, square roots and logarithms and probably differential equations, which I'm not sure I really understood what I took there, but... Um, It had extensive libraries packed with the most significant volumes that were available to the ancient world at that time. And second, he would have to leave everything, which meant security to him. He had to leave for a greater part of uh, his family. He'd have to leave his home. He was going to leave his friends. He was going to leave the pagan idols that he worshipped. So where would Abraham have to go? To a place he knew nothing about and they had never seen. Would you agree with me on this statement this morning? Sometimes obeying God 
just doesn't seem to be the practical thing to do? That's a true statement. I think most of us can understand that. So how did Abraham respond to God's call? The Greek language indicates that uh, as soon as Abraham understood what God wanted him to do, he obeyed immediately. He was gone. Abraham did not question God's command, nor did he delay in obeying God's command. He immediately packed up all his belongings, gathered some family members, and he left. A few years ago, I came across an illustration that I think is applicable. There was a, it was about a woman whose name was Virginia, and uh, she, it was about her funeral. She died when she was in her 80s. And when the pastor was talking to her sisters, the pastor found out that she had grown just around the corner from the church that he was pastoring. And he atten- she attended Sunday school as a child and church as a young girl. Well, at the age of 20, in 1930, Virginia felt the call of God to go to Africa as a missionary. Her sisters t- told the pastor that their father was not in favor of Virginia going, but her mother was fairly supportive. So what did Virginia do? She obeyed God's call and she went. When I was reading that, a a bunch of questions came to me. Like, why would a young girl, a single young girl, go to the Congo by herself? She probably wouldn't end up getting married. She'd be leaving the United States, which had comfort at that time. She'd be leaving the protection of her loving family and her friends. And I think the only reason that makes sense is that God called Virginia to go to Africa to share the gospel, and she was obedient to his call. As the pastor was looking in her Bible, as he was preparing for her funeral, uh, he had noticed that she had underlined 1 Corinthians 9.16, and it says this, Necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's our challenge, to preach the gospel. You know, throughout the years, God has called many people to leave their homes, their families, and go preach the gospel in a foreign land. And many people have heard this call and obeyed. You know, as pastors mentioned, we at Faith Fellowship, we support many missionaries who have been called to share the gospel with people from around the world. You know, we don't get the chance, choice, that choice. Now, Cindy told me that she'd be a missionary as long as there was a position available in Hawaii. Um, (laughs) uh, God hasn't called us that way. You know, but as much as people go, there's, on the other hand, many people have heard God's call, and they've kind of been like this guy we read about called Jonah. In Jonah 1.1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amite, Go to this great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarsus. My friends, God doesn't tell or call every Christian to leave their home and to leave their families 
to serve him in a faraway country, far away from their families. But he does call every Christian to obey his commands. He commands his children to do, as it says in Colossians 3, verse 5, uh, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Rid yourself of anger and rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Do not lie to each other. Clothe yourselves with compassion and patience and humility and gentleness. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Put on love. Be thankful. Husbands, love your wife and do not be harsh with them. Children, there's some children here. This is important. Any kids under 18 here? Okay, listen to this word then. Children, obey your parents in everything. Not partial in everything, okay? Hey, I'm not making it up. It's God's. If you have a problem with it, take it up with God. I'm just telling you what he said, okay? And for the rest of us, he tells us, devote yourself to prayer. You know, we know what God wants us to do. And when we know it, we should immediately obey him. We shouldn't question God's will. We, should, we shouldn't uh, dilly-dally, for the lack of a better word. You know, it, I was sharing this morning when, when I was called into the ministry, I had a great job. And I kept getting this feeling that the Lord was saying, you need to go into the ministry. And I'd be arguing with God. I'd say, no, God, this is Fred Fitzgerald from Boston. Maybe you want the guy from Philadelphia. And uh, it didn't happen. You know, he, he kept, kept bearing down on me until finally I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't quit a good job without taking your wife into consultation. Because I came home and said, hey, honey, you need anything done around the house in the next couple of weeks, uh, painting? And she said, why? I said, well, I quit my job this morning. I'm going to fu- go into the ministry. She almost went apoplectic. Uh, <laughs> communicate, <laughs> okay? But we should simply step out in faith and obey. So let me ask you a question this morning. Does God have our attention? Or have we tuned him out? What is, is there something in your life? You know, I know we all have busy schedules. Are our ears really tuned in to God's word? Are they tuned into the culture and, and to our friends? When we hear and understand God's word, do we obey it? Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Can I get an amen there? It's a, sometimes it's uncomfortable. You know, if we're not listening for God's word, what will God need to do to get our attention? I shudder to think. You know, if we're listening to God's word, what is God saying to you this morning? Is he asking you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as God's one and only Savior that he provided for mankind? Maybe he's asking you to be baptized as a public profession of your faith. 
Maybe he's asking you to confess a forsaken, buried sin. Is he asking you to draw closer to him through prayer and Bible study? I like to use this word Bible study, not Bible reading, because it's really study. I've read Moby Dick tons of times, but I really didn't study it. And there's a difference between reading and studying. Is God asking you to make a stronger commitment to the church? Maybe he's asking you to be more regular in your attendance. Maybe he's saying to you, attend a small group. Maybe he's trying to get you to reach out and get to know some other people who worship with you on Sunday mornings. Maybe he's asking you to join a church and use your spiritual gifts to serve others. Is he asking you to share the gospel with someone? We all have someone in our lives that we can think of, I really need to share that person, the gospel. Because we don't know. We don't know. Now, I don't know what God is asking you to do, but I think we must ask ourselves this question. Do we have obedient feet like Abraham? And if we don't, is the reason because we're afraid to step out of our secure environments, our little comfort zones? We'd rather do that than to obey God? Abraham had listening ears and obedient feet. But the second principle this morning is Abraham had a patient heart. And you find that in verse 9. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to explain that. It's rather simple. God promised Abraham a land. And yet when Abraham got to the land that God had promised to him, God did not give him possession of it. Abraham lived in the promised land as an alien. And when his wife Sarah died, he had to go to the Hittites and say in Genesis 23, 4, I am an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. You know, when the time Abraham entered the land was approximately age 75, until he died at the age of 175, He lived as a stranger in the land that God had promised to give him. Abraham waited and waited and waited for a hundred years for God to give him the land. Here's what's amazing. Abraham never saw God's promise fulfilled, but he kept his faith. When Abraham died, the only part of the land that he owned was this little plot of land where he buried his wife, Sarah. That was it. Even his son, Isaac, and his grandson, Jacob, lived as aliens in the land that God had promised. He promised to give it to Abraham and his descendants. You know, often the the hardest thing for us to do is to wait on God to keep a promise or to answer a prayer. We want everything now. We live in a 
fast food. I want it. I want it now. I can go online, get to Am- hit Amazon and be in my house tomorrow, whatever I want to buy. Yet often, God makes us wait. God makes us wait. You know, a person who walks by faith in God's promises will not be without any problems. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's going to be easy. You know, we we all have challenges and trials that we'll go through. You know, we may have to wait and wait and wait on God to keep his promise or answer their prayers. However, my caution is this. Don't let God's delay destroy your faith in him or his promises or his ability to answer prayer. You know, what area in your life is God making you wait? Is he making you wait for better times uh, with the economy? Is he making you wait for physical health? Is he making you wait for a healing of family uh, relationships? Now, God may not answer his promises or our prayers right away, but God is always faithful. He is loving. He is good. He is wise. He does what is best for us. Abraham knew this. You know, we were talking this morning and get ready, and Alex made a, a... a good point. You know, how did Abraham know? He didn't know God. All he did, he was worshiping false idols. God spoke. Abraham heard. Abraham did. Not one of God's promises ever goes unfulfilled. He is faithful, and he won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. God has promised to return to earth to do what? To take us back with him. We believe that promise. Anybody believe that promise? You think so? However, there's a possibility that we, we may not see his fulfillment of his promise in our lifetime. You know, Abraham had this patient heart, but he also had eyes focused on eternity. In verse 10, it says, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You know, the the secret of Abraham's uh, patience was his hope in the ultimate promised land. Not here on earth, but in heaven. That's the promised land. Abraham knew that his true citizenship was heavenly, not earthly, And he kept his attention on that heavenly goal. He wasn't looking for health and welfare in this life, health and wealth. He was looking for better things than this earth can offer. His family, his friends, his homeland, the riches that he might have had, they were all secondary to him. They weren't the driving forces of his life. He looked into the future and saw an eternal city where he would live in God's presence. He looked into the future and saw an eternal city where there'd be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. 
And he wanted to go there. You know, this hope of eternal life in in heaven has been the hope of Christians for centuries. You know, but sometimes when I sit around contemplating the world, I think sometimes people in churches today are only looking for the best life now. What's the best life now? You know, I, I would submit that only Christians who have their eyes focused on eternity will have the patience to continually obey and trust God when life becomes difficult and it seems that God has forgotten his promises or maybe even deserted them. But you know what? That's what we're supposed to be. The Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are here on earth. So an application point this morning would be, does your eternal perspective help comfort you in your trials in this life? Or maybe you've taken your eyes off of heaven and off of Jesus Christ. You know, it happens. Have we let our present trials and difficulties take away our joy? Sometimes we end up, the phrase is we can't see the forest because of the trees. You know, sometimes we just get so myopic in our view. Hopefully what we're doing in these times of trouble is we're keeping our perspective straight by keeping our focus on things which are above us. But often, more times than not, Many people are focused on laying up temporary treasures here on earth. When I was stationed in Hawaii, I forget the name of the guy. Uh, He was a big cartoonist back in the 60s. Some of you guys might remember the Rat Fink cartoon. Anyway, he had a store. And when you walked into the store, above the main entrance it said, he who dies with the most toys win. Isn't that that sad? You know, old country song I heard one time, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. You know, you can't take it with you. What are we really, why are we focusing on temporary treasures? So Abraham had a listening ears and obedient feet. He had a patient heart. And Abraham had his eyes focused on eternity. Here's what I think. Abraham is a great example for us to follow. Marty, if you and the band want to come up. Um, I'm going to close because there's many things you need to go back and study on your own. But I would submit that this morning that when we see the faith of Abraham, we see it was based on revelation. God made himself known to Abraham. It was based on an obedient faith. He immediately did it. He had a trusting faith. 
He didn't trust in himself. He trusted in the Lord. And then he had a growing faith. You know, we're talking 100 years that he continued to grow. So why do we need the same kind of faith? I think Galatians provides us with some insight. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, Those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And then Galatians 3, 9, Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Those who have the faith of Abraham are truly the recipients of the promise made to Abraham. I will take you to the promised land. There's no doubt. If you have any doubt about that this morning, that where are you going to spend eternity? You know, today is the day to make that decision. There are people right now who are as lost as lost can be, and for one reason or another, the Lord takes them home. And when they get to heaven, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, he's going to say, I didn't know you. That's what pains me because I have family members who are just lost. I don't save them. They've already been saved by Christ. It's just that they have to develop that personal relationship with him. And that's what, I, that's what we should be doing is to share the truth, share the gospel. We've got the Great Commission. The Lord told us to go, teach, make, and baptize That's what we're destined to do. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.